to another installment of the Omnicare Clinical Nurse podcast series. Our goal is to touch on relevant topics that are common to the post-acute care setting. My name is Jackie Wymuk, and I will be your host today. Also joining me on the podcast is Vanessa Moore and Nina Guerrera. The clinical nursing team at Omnicare is comprised of mostly former post-acute care directors of nursing, regional nurses, and infusion nurse specialists. We will be your subject matter experts for today's discussion. For today's topic, we will be discussing enteral nutrition, specifically how it relates to the administration of medications, including proper administration practices, potential interactions, care planning, and survey guidance. So let's jump right in. Vanessa, let's start with you. As nurses, we know that medications can have an adverse reaction with other medications, but some may not know that meds can also have interactions with the enteral nutrition product itself. What can we do to prevent interactions between enteral nutrition and our drugs? That's a very common question that is asked by facility staff. To reduce interactions between enteral nutrition and our drugs, we recommend that medications be reviewed to see if a reduction of the number of medications is possible or temporarily suspending or discontinuing medications not urgently needed. Other tips include changing medication administration time to avoid co-administration of a medication and asking the prescriber for liquid medication if available. Also important, Medications via gastric tubes should be administered separately, one at a time, with flush of 5 to 30 ml between medications. Thank you, Vanessa. And of course, we want to add that you should always defer to your own facility policies or prescriber's orders. So, Nina, what are intercoded meds and why is it important not to administer these via the enteral feeding tube? also known as EFT. Sure, so intracoded formulations are designed to pass through the stomach intact so that medication release can occur in the intestine. The enteric coating helps to prevent the destruction of the medication by stomach acid and allows for a delayed onset of action. However, crushing enteric coated products could affect the medication's efficacy and increase risk of irritation to the GI mucosa. Plus, enteric-coated formulations do not crush well and often break into small pieces that may clog an EFT. Examples of enteric-coated medications include aspirin, brand name Ecotrin, Bizocodil, brand name Ducolax, and Duloxetine, brand name Cymbalta. Great information, Nina. Does the same hold true for extended-release products? Yes, Jackie, extended release preparation should never be crushed for enteral feeding tube administration. Long-acting dosage forms typically deliver the medications over a prolonged period. Examples of these products include multi-layer tablets that systematically eliminate medications as each layer is dissolved, capsules containing mixed-release pellets, and inert matrices that slowly release medications. These formulations provide a steady medication level for 8 to 12 or 24 hours. 
crushing or breaking these products can cause an immediate release of potentially harmful doses of medication, sometimes referred to as dose dumping. Most long-acting medication names include an identifying abbreviation. Look for these abbreviations. When you see them, you can know that they are a variation of extended release formulations. SR stands for slow release. LA is long-acting. CR is controlled release. CRT is controlled release tablet. SA, sustained release. TD, time delay. TR, time release. XL, extended length. Cotton, continuous action. And of course, any med that says 12 hour or 24 hour. Those are important observations, Vanessa. Nina, is there anything you'd like to add? Yes, actually, uh, another medication form that should never be administered through a G-tube are sublingual and bugal tablets. These are normally placed under the tongue or between the gum and cheek, respectively. These products are meant to dissolve quickly in the mouth for rapid absorption through a large supply of blood vessels in the oral mucosa. Examples of sublingual or buccal medications include nitroglycerin tablets, clotrimazole, brand name Mycelex, and buprenorphine, naloxone, brand name Suboxone tablets. Administering these medications through an EFT will alter their absorption, which could potentially reduce their efficacy. Nitroglycerin is an example of a sublingual medication that should never be administered through a G-tube due to the risk of a delayed and then compounded effect. That's a good point, Nina. Along the same lines, irritants and chemotoxic agents have their own considerations as well. The alteration of some dosage forms for EFT use could increase the risk of medication-related adverse effects. Some drugs that are known irritants include alendronate, brand name Fosamax, isotretinoin, brand name Accutane, and valporic acid, brand name Depakine. Additionally, pulverizing certain drugs can cause tetragenic and or carcinogenic particles into the air. To prevent unnecessary chemotoxic exposure, medications such as Mycophenulate, brand name Celsep, Valgansuclafir, Valcite, and Finestrad Proscar should not be crushed for administration via an EFT. You're right, Jackie. There are so many considerations regarding the subject of G-tubes and medication administration. For example, certain medication suspensions should not be administered down an intral feeding tube. Make sure you know which suspensions are not indicated for G-tube administration. The last one we should talk about is laxatives and medicinal resins. Bulk-forming laxatives such as psyllium, brand name Metamucil, may cause EFT obstruction. Even when properly diluted, these products form a semi-solid mass that may clog an EFT. For patients with an intral feeding tube requiring fiber therapy, such as Benefiber, a fiber supplement may be a better choice than psyllium since it is more soluble and can readily pass through an EFT. 
bile acid sequestrin, such as colcystamine, brand name Questrin, may also clog an EFT. Other cholesterol-lowering agents, which are more compatible with an EFT administration, should be selected if the patient requires an EFT for an extended period. So what can be administered via a G-tube? Well, a nurse should always check to make sure that the med that is being given is indicated for enteral administration. Your consultant pharmacist can be a great resource for this. Many short-acting tablets may be pulverized into a fine powder and diluted with water to form a slurry, appropriate for EFT administration. The contents of certain capsules may also be mixed with water to be given in a similar manner. The pellets inside microencapsulated medications can be flushed down in EFT following dilution if they are not crushed. Thank you, Nina. We should also note that our customers with access to Omniview have resources at their fingertips such as Should Not Crush List. Vanessa, do you have any information you can provide related to survey guidance on this topic? Oh, yes. Good question. Surveyors will look at residents with continuous or bolus feeding, obvious by the fact that it's hanging in their room, and will note the type, total amount hung, amount remaining, the rate, the date and time hung, and et cetera, and compare with the weight to ensure the resident is receiving the feeding as ordered by the physician. Yes, that's, that's good information. Also, surveyors will look at physician's orders, for example, the kind of feeding, caloric value, volume, rate, duration, and mechanism of administration, for example, gravity or pump, water flushes, et cetera. So ensure medication orders are specific to G-tube. We often see blister packs with orders for PO meds that are being administered through a feeding tube, and a physician may prescribe a medication cocktail when clinically appropriate which would allow mixing and simultaneous administration of certain medications. Also, be sure there's a pertinent diagnosis or clinical rationale indicated for every medication. Surveyors will look also for the following, the order for tube feeding, oral care, alternatives if the resident refuses or resists staff interventions to consume foods, fluids, or enteral feedings, monitoring intake of foods and fluids daily and when to report deviations. They'll look for how often weights are to be monitored if weight falls out of usual body weight parameters. Rehabilitative restorative interventions and specific measures such as assistive devices to promote involvement in improving functional skills. And necessary interventions to prevent complications from the tube feeding such as aspiration, dislodgement, infection, pneumonia, fluid overload, fecal impaction, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. So be sure that all of these are addressed in your care plan. Thanks. That's a great add to this conversation. That brings up another question. What should we consider regarding site care? Accepting in orders for change, if applicable, at the site of the enteral feeding tube. Securing a feeding tube externally providing needed personal, skin, oral, and nasal care to the resident, examining and cleaning the insertion site in order to identify 
lessen or resolve possible skin irritation and local infection, defining the frequency of and volume used for flushing, including flushing for medication administration, and when a prescriber's order does not specify, using infection prevention precautions and related techniques to minimize the risk of contamination. For example, in connecting the tube and the tube feeding. What about replacement? Yes, make sure that the direction for staff regarding the conditions and circumstances under which a tube is to be changed is indicated such as when a long-term feeding tube comes out unexpectedly or the tube is worn or clogged, uh, if you identify splits or cracks that could produce leakage, know if there are qualified staff in your facility that can replace the tube or if tube must be replaced in another setting, like a hospital or ambulatory surgery center. And notify the practitioner when the need for a tube change arises unexpectedly. This is so much to think about. Remember that as an Omnicare customer, you have all the guidance you need regarding enteral medication administration through OmniView. That's right. If you're not sure how to access OmniView, you can reach out to us by email, and we will be sure to get you the access you need. Or if you are not a current Omnicare customer, you can email us also. Please direct your questions to elearning at omnicare.com and we will be sure to connect you to the right person to get you the information you need. Absolutely. Our goal is to help you provide the best possible care for your residents. So that will wrap up today's discussion of enteral medication administration. I would like to thank Vanessa Moore and Nina Guerrero for joining us today and sharing your expertise and providing the valuable information. I would also like to thank everyone joining us today for this podcast. We truly hope that you've learned something and look forward to having you tune in for additional podcasts in the future. If any of our listeners have any questions regarding the information that we discussed today, please reach out to your Omnicare clinical nurse or account manager. If you are interested in or are not familiar with Omnicare's vast array of services, please contact us at elearning at omnicare.com. Have a great day.